Welcome to the Farming Without the Bank podcast, the show with a no BS approach to money. Hosted by a farm strategy expert and authorized IBC practitioner. Join us as we get real and expose the flaws of traditional financial institutions in order to help farmers take control of their finances, create peace of mind, grow their wealth, and leave a legacy. Now, here's your host, Mary Jo Ehrman. And welcome to today's podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I very much appreciate you being here. Once again, if you would like to rate the podcast, you can sure do that somewhere within your podcast app. I have no idea how to do that. Today, uh, we are going to be talking to another client and having a client interview and just some feedback. Today's client is Nate Blyler from Illinois. Nate and his wife, Elizabeth, have a dairy calf feeding operation. And in addition to that, Nate helps on his family farm and tiling business, which he is part owner of. So thank you very much for being here, Nate. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Okay. This is funny. I'm not going to lie. This is take two. Because I forgot to record take one. So Nate gets to repeat himself all over again. I am so sorry, Nate. That's fine. Okay, let's start again. Tell us a little bit about the dairy feeding operation that you're doing with your boys and wife. So we buy uh, three day to week old calves and start them on milk. And we take raise them all the way up to 500 pounds. We do about we do 80 at a time, and get a new group about every eight to nine weeks, which comes out to between four and 480 calves a year. And then my partnership with my dad and my brother then takes those 500 pound calves, purchases them, and then we finish everything and uh, raise the feed on the farm. We farm about 1,200 acres of family ground that's a 50-50 crop share and feed our entire portion of the corn crop basically so we are left with soybeans finished cattle to market and we also have a drainage and excavating business how did the bottle calf i think this is important as you were telling me earlier i think this is important for people to know is how did the bottle calf operation start well in 2014 it was a really cold winter. It froze most of the winter a couple feet deep. And at the time, my oldest son was in third grade and the second one was in kindergarten. And they told me they were bored one too many times. So we put up 20 pins and started buying bucket calves from my father-in-law. And then we've just grown it from there. Mm-hmm. Because Elizabeth's dad has a dairy, right? Right. Yep. And Elizabeth was the calf raiser when she was a kid, so she was experienced, and I never would have tried it on a large scale without her there to show me the ropes. She just never thought I'd really like it that much, I don't think. I did not know that. Even in our first take, that didn't come out. So I had no idea that Elizabeth was doing that as a kid. Hmm. Yep. She grew up as the calf raiser. Hmm. So So she she was planning on a few to keep the boys occupied, not what it's turned into, which is a full calf raising business, I guess. Because <laughs> Nate doesn't do anything half-assed. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> That's awesome. So you have expanded from what did you say, a hundred and twenty to four fifty? Right. In the last year, right? Uh, 2018 is when we expanded. Okay. So 2018, because of the fact that you had, it was, it was profitable or you just saw the need that people had these calves that needed to be purchased or what was the reason for the expansion? Uh, it was profitable and we had been running a cow-calf operation also, when we decided to expand the feeding operation and sold the cow calf, the cow calf herd off, and we're actually feeding more cattle now than we were then. Mm-hmm. We're able to raise more calves in the same amount of time and finish all the cattle on the same land, basically. That is that is crazy to me that you can. It's crazy that you're feeding every day, twice a day you're feeding these bottle calves and it's less time than it took to have a cow calf operation and feed them and calve them out. And there's probably less risk. What's the risk compared to the cow calf operation? Because you risk losing a calf if you're not there and it doesn't get pulled. It's about the same. As far as death loss, it's about the same. Mm. Okay. If you consider open cows and, uh, you know, death loss at calving season. Do you have a lot of dairies around you? I wouldn't say that it takes you? me less time. Oh, sorry. No, there's not that many in my area. My calves all come from Wisconsin. And so they're actually you... all black. They're they're Angus Holstein cross, and they're all black calves. Oh, because they have a little more meat on them, right? Yep, they look pretty much just like a finished beef calf. Now somebody asked. The I was telling you can feed them. You can feed them harder their entire their entire time on feed because they don't finish too light. Mm. So we feed them basically a finishing ration from when they come off of milk at eight eight weeks old or six to eight weeks old. They're fed finishing ration all the way to finish at about fifteen or sixteen months. You do not now this is just a stupid question because somebody I was telling somebody about your operation the other day and I said, Oh, they're dairy calves. And they said, Well, it must just be the bull calves. And I was like, Well, I suppose, but I don't know. Like, I don't know anything uh, about dairy. Are, <laughs> if you get Holstein calves, they're all bull calves. These are actually right. about half bulls, half heifers. Because they're just using uh, Angus semen on Holstein cows, and the calves are not—they're not planning on keeping any of them for replacements. Oh, so it's a mixture. Okay, all right. I just assumed that the they were keeping using, all the heifers uh, back. No, the dairies are using sex semen on their top producing cows to get their heifer replacements, and then the rest are being bred to the Angus bulls. To be mm-hmm. sold as feeders. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the only Holstein calves they get are heifers. Okay. Got it. And their replacements. You know, there's another thing that we I, I want to throw in here, maybe. Um, 
and and we were talking about it in our first take. <laughs> the fact that you're the you're kind of the thinker in the family and you're the big idea guy and you're the guy that read the book and started the policy and 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 people kind of thought you were a little bit crazy. And your brother is the mechanic and you recognize your place and that you don't like to just sit back and say, "Oh, well, you know, things are tough, let's not do anything." Instead, you're the guy that says, how can we, what, how can we do something different? What can we do different? But Elizabeth's family does that as well, right? Because not only do they have a dairy, but they also have a pumpkin patch, don't they? No, that's ours too. Oh. <laughs> that's my mom and Elizabeth. Oh, <laughs> Elizabeth, I, didn't, I didn't know that was your Elizabeth mom. Always says, Elizabeth always says, no matter what you need, there's a boiler for that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I am beginning to agree here. (laughs) I thought the pumpkin patch was her family. Okay. Nope that's that's my mom and Elizabeth do that. Oh right, got it. So just my brother is my brother. Thanks plenty too. He's, I mean, we all have our spot kind of in Mm -hmm. the operation. I think more about the numbers, but he is the he is the one to ask on drainage questions Mm -hmm. or anything to do with equipment. He, mm-hmm. he thinks about that as nonstop as I do about the numbers. So, And that's what makes it such a good partnership though, because you can't, right. if, if you can, because he might not like the numbers as much. And so, because you like the numbers, but people don't recognize that, Nate. When they're in a partnership, they don't recognize other people's strengths and utilize those strengths. And you guys are recognizing right. that and you're giving credit where credit is due. I don't care if it's Elizabeth or your brother or your mom or your dad or whoever. It's just not that common to see an operator. It doesn't mean that you guys don't ever disagree. It just, it's not that common to see an operation run smoothly and everybody understand each other. And so it's awesome to hear that you guys are making it work. Right. We get along really well and dad's good at just kind of, he's really good at turning us loose. I hope I can be the same with my boys when they're ready to come back. Cause as long as he's got cattle to feed and we don't bother him with having to work on equipment or things like that, he's good to go. Mm Mm-hmm. So how'd this whole pumpkin patch thing get started? Uh, that's that was mom's idea. And and how long have you guys been doing that? I think she started in 2010. And it's the same way. It was just a she just had a pile of pumpkins at the end of the driveway the first year and just sold them off of a rack wagon basically and now she's got a a barn set up that's an actual almost like a store in the fall mm-hmm. where they sell, well, they have vendors and everything there. It's, it's really womanized. I'm not involved in that as much as Elizabeth at all. I can tell, <laughs> I can tell Nate that you're not nearly as excited to talk about that as the calves <laughs> in the farming. <laughs> right. <laughs> However, I like to see it. So you know, I'm going to, I think that that if Elizabeth listens to this, um, and if I remember to reach out to her, she needs to start like a whole Facebook page to document the life of the Blylers because she is <laughs> amazing at, on her personal page. I absolutely love the pictures of the I boys. I think she has a Facebook page of the, for the pumpkin patch. Yes, for the pumpkin patch, sure but does. that's just the pumpkin patch, right? That just happens a couple months out of the year, but... She's documenting right, yeah. 
she's documenting the kids feeding and working on the farm. And, you know, I think that's, well, uh, hopefully, you know, she doesn't get, just because your kid's driving a tractor nowadays, you know, you could be thrown in jail for child neglect. But, right. um, but I think it's awesome just to document farm life. And she's so good at taking pictures. I was teasing her the other day when one of the calves was out and she's, she was talking about having this calf on the loose. And I'm like, and you were taking pictures. <laughs> right. <laughs> Most people are in the heat of the moment and we've got a loose calf. And she whips yeah. out her phone, you know? <laughs> yep. I would not have been taking a picture that day. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody would. But it's so awesome to see that. And I think that she should start her own little Facebook page to just to share with people kind of what goes on and the fact that not all these young kids today are sitting behind video games playing games. That there are some, right. some actual kids out there that are doing useful things. It doesn't mean that kids playing video games, I guess, aren't useful because there's a place and a time for that. Somebody had to create those games. But at the same time, yeah. we're not losing our heritage and our farming kids along the way. Um, and so many people yeah. think that they're not going to come back and they need to see these kids, these young kids that yours is, the oldest is 14, youngest is eight. Is that what you said? Yep, yep. They need to see that these kids are actually working and they love it and they want to come back. And it's amazing the fact that you are planning so far ahead. And so a lot of what you do with the life insurance is to look long-term. Um, yep. Because we want to make sure that there's something there for that next generation. So let's talk yep. a little bit... <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the life insurance. So you read the book in 2018 because you guys have been clients since 2018. So you read the book in yep. 2018 uh, and thought what? Well, I just read the book and instantly thought it was a good idea whenever I thought about the numbers and how it worked. And Elizabeth was a lot more skeptical. She didn't, she didn't even really read the book to start with. She just got tired of me talking about it. And you were having the conference in Nashville that year. So I had convinced her to go to that. And it wasn't hard to convince her to go to that. But she said she would just decide after she met you if she thought it was uh, basically real, I guess. Mm -hmm. Or if she trusted you. Mm -hmm. And after the conference, she definitely felt like you wouldn't lead us down a path of trying to scam us, basically, I guess you would mm -hmm. say. Yeah, and it's funny. You made a good first impression, and then she was ready to go after that. <laughs> awesome. I didn't I try. Nelson, I did Nelson. not try either. I was just <laughs> being real. But it is. It, right. It's nice. Um, I always I I appreciate that because I am a little bit like Elizabeth as well in the fact that I'm I'm a lot like you, Nate. That oh my god, this is a good idea. Let's do it. But I have been burned. And so I right. have to sometimes pull myself back and be the Elizabeth as well, because my husband just doesn't say anything. And he's just, he would never say, Hey, I need to meet you. Cause I don't trust you. <laughs> I yeah. appreciate. And I knew that I knew that that's why you guys were coming, but I, I wasn't there kissing Elizabeth's butt and saying, Oh honey. Oh, this is, you're so awesome. No. And no, like I'm, it was just me. But it was also nice right. because she got to see 
other people, other speakers, including Nelson. She got to hear firsthand from the guy that developed the concept of why we need it, what's the benefit, and and meet him and understand he's not trying. He didn't write this book to sell insurance and scam people either. He wrote this book as a mission to try to get people back in control of their own money. Yep. Yeah. And that, for those of you, for those of you listening that did not know, in 2018, um, I had a farm finance conference in Nashville. And so if you go to farmingwithoutthebank.com and click on the little button on the top of the screen that says store, that will take you to the store and we will have, we're actually, we, we actually quit selling them, but we're going to start selling a link to the conference. So there were seven or eight speakers and you will get to hear all of them and everything that Nate and Elizabeth heard. And you'll get to hear exactly, you'll get to hear what Nelson had to say. And I had somebody listen last week or the week before, and it was amazing the difference of what our conversation was to somebody that hasn't listened to the conference. And so I thought, you know, this is probably going to be beneficial for other people. And obviously, it was beneficial for you guys being there. Sometimes just being there is one thing, but... I don't know if the amount of the, the awesome people you met at the conference wasn't that great. Yeah, that's the other thing. You feel more comfortable just knowing that the other people who are using it are just like, they're just like us. Mm-hmm. It was a fun conference and good people. Like most of the people there, I didn't know. Most of the people were not my clients, but it was just... It was a different atmosphere. Granted, we all got to go out and <laughs> and listen to some music at night, but um, it was just fun to be in the same room with farmers from all over the country and all the way from produce farmers to guys that are, you know, growing regular crops. So it was right. it was a good. It was fun. It was fun. So you got the policy started. And you've got one policy. What have you used it for thus far? Well, the only thing I've used it for up to this point is uh, to hedge some feeder cattle about a year ago, which didn't work. I should have never even <laughs> used it. But but it also, the policy did work because I was able to try hedging some cattle and I didn't have to draw down my operating account to do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that and did we, work. And- and you haven't had to use it for operating the calf operation or anything else because you've got enough cash to do that. You said that you only have an equipment loan with the bank. Right. You do not have a line of credit, right? I have one available, but I don't, I'm not using it. Yeah. So the the problem we have, and, and Nate calls a lot or emails, not calls necessarily so much, but he texts me a lot. <laughs> he emails me a lot strategies because he's got the cash how do we get it into the policy and so we don't want to lose so much working capital but is the capital a concern the first couple years of that policy you don't have access to all that money is that a concern for you it's not for me because basically i am using the policy to try to save up money so when the boys are ready to come back i've got at least a good start on some sort of expansion so I'm not, I'm not really planning to use what money I can get into a policy in the next 
two years anyway, I'm looking at needing it in six to 10 and I will, the policy will already have broken even by then. So mm-hmm. it doesn't, doesn't really matter to me that it's going to take a little bit to get it all back. I love that you're such a long-term thinker and it's about, it's not just about how you can use it today, but how can we make sure that we've created an operation that we can leave to the boys and make sure that this thing keeps going. Right. Now you did tell me that you talked to some other life insurance agents about this, but they had no idea what was going on. Right. Right. I got, I mean, it was maybe a five minute conversation. I even took the book to show him the illustrations and he still couldn't believe he didn't believe that you could set a policy up to build cash value like that. So I just left. And and I find it funny because <laughs> this particular company, which we won't name names, but this particular company, Elizabeth had a whole life policy with, and she has cash value in it. And so right. not only were you guys aware that that money could be used before you read the book? No, not really. So not only did you have it, you didn't know it could be used. Other than just canceling it, I knew you could do that. Oh. I knew you could just cancel the policy and get your cash value back. But I had never known you could borrow and pay it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I and guess that, until I read the book, I would, even if I did know, I would have been scared to because it just sounds like a loan then. Mm-hmm. It's very... And, and this this particular company is known to not tell people about it for various reasons that I'm not going to get into here, but they're known to, I've had several people tell me, no, they're not. You can't take a loan against that policy when in fact you can take a loan because it's your money. But proof that I have, I have a lot of people, a lot of clients like you that have had whole life policies, good whole life policies with good mutual companies and they have no idea that they could access that money. I had a guy the other day that's got like $120,000 of cash in his whole life policies and has no idea he could use it. Yeah. That's a lot of money. I showed him the illustration and his exact words were that there's nothing magic about this. And I, I had never once mentioned that it was magic <laughs> when I went in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have to agree with him there. There is nothing magic about it. but Right. And I didn't. But I didn't think there was. I just yeah was asking him about, about the concept. And he had never heard of the concept and obviously didn't care to ever hear about it. So mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was the end of that. And then you had, when we started out with you, you had a universal life policy. Correct. And we were able to 1035 that money into a new policy. So the cash value you had just got moved over to a new policy. And again, for right. those listening, I do not do that every single time. It is not an automatic thing. We have to look at your policy to make sure that that is going to make sense. But and I don't. I'm not versed enough in insurance to ever have known that it was that bad without somebody who knows what it is to show it to me. Well, and and because I just bought life insurance only for the death benefit that I thought would help if something happened to. Me happen to me in the near future. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you were buying the cheapest thing you could find. Like like Nelson always said, you were going to Walmart to buy your life insurance. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And you know what I think is sad is when a universal life or variable life gets sold, what we talk about in our meetings and what we look at in your policies is not what they showed you. They're not explaining to you exactly how it worked because if they did, they'd never sell it because none of my clients like their stuff after we after we tell you there's no guarantees and that look at your the the zero column or look at the guaranteed column and you're not paying enough premium and you might not have your policy. So right. They're only showing you one thing and telling you half the story in most cases. Um, I'm yep. not going to say every case. I haven't found the one that has gotten the whole story yet, but somewhere along the way, I probably will. So I'm not going to say all cases because not all agents are bad. But some of them, and I don't want to say an agent's bad, maybe not taught because the home office doesn't teach them or the financial, whoever they're selling it to through a financial group or investment firm isn't teaching them. And so they just don't know. But nonetheless... Yep. You had some cash value in a policy as well. So you had permanent life insurance products and had no idea how to even use them. So got a little bit lucky on that front. Yep. What do you see as as far as like the greatest benefit of the policy, either short-term, long-term, what do you see those benefits to be? For me, the, the biggest benefit is the compounding interest. There's, you're not going to save your money anywhere else and have a guaranteed return. You, you could put it in a savings account and be safe, but it's never going to grow. Or you could put it at risk on the market and it may grow or it may shrink. And as and then I guess other than that would just be the death benefit for future generations. Yeah, which is going to be awesome for the boys. So Nate, I don't think I've ever asked anybody this question. How many books have you read outside of Farming Without the Bank? Um, not very many. <laughs> not, I I read a lot of magazines or else, you know, a lot of agricultural type information. I read all the time on internet or or magazines. So many but people I don't really say I don't book. read books. Yeah, yeah. People say I don't read books. I'm not reading that because I don't read books. Well. Most of my clients don't read books, but all of you are reading magazines. Those two have a bound spine. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm not scared of books. I just don't. I just find, I mean, I read a lot. It's just not Mm -hmm. all books. Right. So what do you say to that person that's listening that is having a really tough time right now? Um, Should they still read the book? Should they at least read the book? should they look at getting started? I would say you definitely read the book. And if you can find a way to get started now, when times are a little harder, it'll only get easier whenever times get better. Mm-hmm. Most likely, they're, most likely it'll be the same way I am. I was a little bit uh, concerned about the premium of the first one I did, even though I'd run the numbers that, I wouldn't have thought I could do a bigger one. And now I'm looking at doing another bigger policy because it is easier than what I had originally thought to get money to one. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's if, if that's flexi- the, if that's the way your head's thinking on, and it's easier to find the money to fund it whenever you are thinking that way. 
But you have to meet with me to understand how to think that way. Because we talk a lot about strategies and you're sending me numbers and we're having conversations and you're clarifying. Now, if I put it in, we're going to do this. And so if now I don't just do this with anybody, you have to be a client or I'm not going to give you hours and hours of time like I give Nate. But that is how we, that's how we find, not necessarily find that money, but understand how to put it there is what if we did this or what if we did that? But the book itself and the podcasts and all the other information out there about this, that is helping us understand the, the, the utilization of money because so many people think the concept is the policy. The policy is the tool, but the thought process behind that and the concept is what is helping you understand, can I get money into the policy? Yep. And it's really simple when you stop making it too hard is what I've found. It's, <laughs> it is not that complicated. It. It's, <laughs> it is not complicated. And I think that's what people, I think people make it too complicated is why they decide that it's not real, I guess. I'm just writing down your quote because (laughs) that's the best one I've ever heard. It's, let me repeat that for you people. It's really simple when you stop making it so hard. And that is (laughs) so true. We want it to be difficult. It should be difficult because how many times I know you share this with a lot of your friends because you refer a lot of people to me. And so how many times do they say it's too good to be true, Nate? It's not possible. Even your agent said it's not magic. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know. Most, most of the ones I refer, I just refer and they, they call you and I don't, I don't really hear that much from them after that, but, but, they do apparently call and get the book as soon as I kind of tell them about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't usually don't go in that much detail. I just tell them enough to get their curiosity up basically. Mm-hmm. And that's why they, most of the, but, most of the friends I've told, I think do grasp it once they read it. Mm-hmm. And that's why most of them call is because you're not trying to over explain it. It's just the book explains it. So take a look at the book. What's the, let the book do the work. Um, Because, and and going back to the reading part, like it's a two hour read, maybe three. It's a little 99 page book, but everything that you need to know is in that book. And so it, and it's not any more complicated than what's there. Yes. You need to meet with me. So you understand how the policy is structured. Because there's some flexibility inside that policy and that we want to make sure that you understand that. Now, I don't have that, you know, somebody said to me the other day, well, that wasn't in the book. No, it's not in the book because then it's going to be a 500 page book. So (laughs) it's only 99 (laughs) pages. If you understand that part of it, then we can move forward. But even, have you read, have you read Nelson's book? Yes. Okay. Um, I got it. I think I got it at Nashville. And that also helps clarify things, correct? Yes. If you don't make it too hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so many times 
people just read my book. But if you read Nelson's book, it helps as well. Because I didn't repeat Nelson's book. I didn't reinvent what he already said. So again, if you've read mine, then go to farmingwithoutthebank.com and get Nelson's. Go to Amazon and get Nelson's. I don't care if you haven't read either one of them. Go to farmingwithoutthebank.com and click on the little store again, and then you can get the bundle of both. But both books are very important to read. And know that when you talk to other people, they're not going to have that same baseline knowledge. And so it's important as well to repeat what you said, that your agent didn't want to learn it. He didn't care to understand it. And so you said, you know what? Okay, I'm done. I'm going to the source. Because at the end of the day, it's your money and you have to treat it like your money. And that is important because it's a business decision. And it's the same way when you tell somebody about it, they either read it and move forward from there or they won't even read it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they get to make that decision. But even though you might not be reading a lot of books, it's not necessary. You're constantly educating yourself, which constantly makes you, it's it's constantly giving you something to think about, which then allow it's, that's where your ideas are coming from. You're not the idea guy because you're just sitting around doing nothing. You're the idea guy because you're constantly learning, listening to podcasts or whatever. And then a lot. sometimes you even call and say, hey, Mary Jo, I read this today. What about this? Because you're in some agricultural farms and you're really good about bringing up when people are bashing farming without the bank and saying, hey, you know, he maybe has a legitimate question. I've never thought of that question. What's the answer to that? So that is what is constantly keeping you moving forward. Okay, so in addition to the farm, we've got the cattle, we've got the the feedlot, we've got the farm, we've got the tile business, and your mom and your mom and Elizabeth work on the pumpkin patch together. So there's even a little pumpkin patch going on. Yep, there is. Okay, so I'm just going to leave you with a final question. Um, What would you tell somebody today that it is not, we do not have the best of situations of what's going on today. So what else would you tell them? Get started with the book? Find some money? Yeah, I would definitely get started with the book. And if nothing else, try a small policy and see how that goes. Mm Mm-hmm. You can always do another one later when you have when it's easier to fund another one. But most people will find that it's not as hard as they think to get started. Or at least just read the book to get to get the ideas around how to utilize money so that we're saving it to start even in a year from now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even if they never start a policy, they you'd have a, you will have a, a different way of looking at your numbers. Mm -hmm. and analyzing things after you think of it this way. Mm -hmm. All right, sir. Anything else before we leave for the second time? (laughs) Nope, I don't think so. All right. Well, thank you. we've covered it. (laughs) Twice. Thank you very much for um, agreeing to be on, sharing your story. And I appreciate it very, very much. Yep, no problem. Okay, you have a absolutely fantastic day. Yep, I will. You too. Okay, that's all we have for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. Hope you liked that interview with Nate. 
Again, if you have anything that you want to talk about or suggestions, comments, please let me know. I am always open to hearing ideas and I very much appreciate them. You guys have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening to the Farming Without the Bank podcast. We hope today's episode has inspired you to take control of your finances in new ways. Don't forget to check out our website, farmingwithoutthebank.com, and engage with us on our Facebook page, Farming Without the Bank. Join us next week as we smash more financial myths and empower you to accomplish your financial goals.